Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning into episode 20 of The Misfit Project. I am your host, Drew Crandall. As always, here with me is Ted. Ted, we finally have some sunshine, some like spring, kind of summery weather. It's wonderful. Feels nice, doesn't it? It was nice to be out in the sun and 80 degree weather in in whatever month this is. Yeah. I was at... uh, I was at the Red Sox that game down in Boston and it was 87 degrees in the park. It was crazy. It's still though. I like I had, it was almost like I had a deficit and I didn't care at all. I was really hot and I didn't care. I was yeah. like, this is too good. Yeah. I like this. It's that, it's that post eight month winter. Seriously. Sunshine fix. And speaking of the sunshine and its benefits, I just shot a morning routine video this morning that will be going up on our YouTube channel here in the next few weeks. Um, so check that out. Speaking of YouTube channel, we have one now and yes, there do. is a bone broth recipe. You can laugh at my first attempt to do a cooking show. Um, <laughs> check that out. We would love a subscription, a like, a comment, all that good stuff. You can um, find the link at misfitproject.com. Yes. Um, so we actually have an episode too. We've sure been do. rambling here for a while. It was but, a good one. Um, functional medicine practitioner Manea Haworth was back on the show um, because I felt like we sort of started a little bit of a trend for people going out and getting their own food sensitivity testing done. And I really wanted to make sure that we could educate people on what that actually means, you know, why what, they're doing it, why they're doing it, yep. what could maybe come before, what could come after instead of. You know, it, it is it is tempting when you find someone else has results with something to jump right into it. Yeah. Um, so I felt like it was our duty to dig into that. And then, as I always say, selfishly, I just wanted to ask her questions about it and, yep. you know, educate myself a little bit more. So hope you guys enjoy. Manea, welcome back. Hey, good to be here again. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. So we kind of started a bit of an issue um, a positive issue because we're going to talk about it today and try to sort through some of it by bringing up on multiple podcasts and then within our gym community um, people who have had success with taking a food, food sensitivity test and then changing their diet based on it. Um, my issue I can say with this is that um, I think there's not just a level of expertise when you go see someone that's you know specializes in this but there's also a level of accountability that's there you can get an actual prescription given to you and you can make the changes based on you know without your own biases and things of that nature so essentially what i want to try to accomplish today is to navigate through what a functional medicine um, approach would be if someone came in with showing some of the symptoms of, you know, an autoimmune condition or something along those lines. So if I walked into your practice and you identified, you know, things such as GI distress or eczema or headaches or all of the different things that can present themselves, where would we start? That's a great question. So the food sensitivity in itself is not necessarily the first step in um, figuring out what's going on. So when I do see patients in a functional medicine setting, I actually will go through just the whole patient history, like uh, I think we talked about last time. But um, usually it starts with a stool test, which means you actually collect your stool. Um, so it's usually three days to rule out if you have oviparasites. Um, so that could be an underlying cause for any symptoms you come in with, a headache, 
rashes, um, joint pain, etc. Um, in the stool test, we'll also identify some inflammatory markers if you're not digesting your food well. And oftentimes it comes up people are not eating enough fiber too. So that's kind of the the first line. Um, and just as yeah. a quick side note, when I did U-Biome, I thought that I was going to have to like poop into a bag <laughs> and I got to dab the toilet paper with a Q-tip, which was a little bit easier. So if you're scared out there to do any of this <laughs> testing, it's not quite as crazy as you'd think. I think the company that I work with, um, I I did I I did a sing, I always try these tests before I give them to patients because mm-hmm. I want to know what what's going down, <laughs> and I can give them some advice and collection. Um, this was you actually have to use a little like tray and then Whoa. you can separate it. Here we go. All right. <laughs> you get to you get up close and personal with your poop. Nice. Um, not a bad thing. Learn a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> Indeed, that sounds like a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's the first line. Um, I guess when I see people the the a lot of times a bigger issue and what we learn in functional medicine is um, when in doubt start with the gut so um, you could be having you could could be having normal bowel movements you could be um, saying oh there's nothing wrong with my digestion but you have rashes you have headaches you just don't feel like you have a lot of energy mm-hmm. um, still could be something going wrong in in your GI tract essentially um, there's a million places for things to go wrong from chewing your food correctly um, that's where you get started with digestion swallowing getting into the stomach sure I know you're gonna listen to this buddy chew your food <laughs> I mean my I can hear my mother in the back of my head slow down eat your food like she knew what she was talking about and I was like shut up mom I don't need to eat fast I, I mean I don't need to eat um, quickly or slow but anyway so that that's that's the, the mainstay of it you have to kind of think about food going all the way down even into the exit like uh, what's happening what, what do they going say on? your your stomach doesn't have teeth I've heard that one that's before true. that's yeah. a good way to put it <laughs> yeah um, mom I'm listening to you now I'm eating I'm eating slower isn't it <laughs> weird how there are so many things like that like you trace all the way back through like people have been around for so long that they figured this stuff out without having the science behind it you know like have soup like we did the whole like bone broth video and you know we've talked about it so much like all of these old school things that like was more like you know, guess and check. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, that's how science was then. Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, like your mom probably didn't know why she was telling you to chew slowly. <laughs> she just knew that she, when she was a kid, was told to chew slowly. Probably. I'm sure she'd have a, be- a bigger story, but yes. <laughs> you were right, mom. I know you love to hear that. Um, <laughs> so um, let's see, where was I going with that? The um, So we think about in every single spot, like from chewing to digest, um, digesting in the stomach and moving through the small intestine, large intestine, um, excretion of bile acid, so your gallbladder, bile duct, all of the, all these areas where things can not necessarily work perfectly, and that can contribute to overall symptoms. So that's why we say start with the gut because there's a lot of places for things to go wrong. Um, so. Um, I guess, do you want to talk about the food? Should we talk about food sensitivity testing now? Do you think that's a good yeah, place I mean, to get into? I guess, I guess the, the, what, I'm, what I'm hoping to achieve is if you felt like it was, that was the next logical step, okay. um, how do you explain that to a patient? Like, like if they didn't have any idea what food sensitivity testing was, like okay. what's actually happening and yeah. what, how could you take 
the symptom and match it to what they get out of the food sensitivity test. Okay. So when we do um, put food in our mouths, like I said, it starts with chewing. Um, We have what we call dietary enzymes. So the first one in your mouth is amylase. So that starts breaking down carbohydrates. And if you're not chewing your food enough and if it's not staying in your mouth long enough, you may be passing some un- um, larger particles of food down into your digestive tract. So immediately you're starting to introduce food in a larger form than your stomach can tolerate. So that, and keep in mind your digestive tract, about 80% of your immune system runs through along your digestive tract. So you're going to actually trigger your immune system um, when it sees food that it doesn't recognize or particles it doesn't recognize. So if we're eating McDonald's, a lot of that is going to be unrecognizable and not not nutritious. So we're going to react to that. That's going to trigger our immune system. Um, If we're not chewing our food enough and there are large particles, we're going to trigger our immune system. It's going to react to that. Um, and, And if we're the, I don't know how to explain this. Um, also, if we don't have the right digestive enzymes in our um, lower GI tract, it's going to trigger an immune uh, response. So that immune response can be in the form of rashes, headaches, joint pain, um, and a million other symptoms, kind of chronic symptoms that you can't really pinpoint. Um, I, th- I think that, that that topic is really important because a lot of people only associate this stuff with stomach issues with digestion issues and we actually just had an athlete that was um following his protocol very well and then certain circumstances led him to not following that protocol and he got you know um headaches and uh, joint pain and all these different things. And he had a very like concrete black and white experience of, I cut this stuff all out. A lot of it went away. I ate a bunch of it in a short period of time and boom, it came back. Right. And I, I think that sometimes you have to fail like that to see how all of this stuff works. And so many people, again, don't associate that with it. I mean, out of the, you know, five to seven people I've suggested this for in the gym, only one of them was based on digestion. The other ones, the other ones is like, someone's like, I'm doing, it's literally just my shoulder or just my elbow or just this or that. And it's helped a lot of people so far. Yeah. That's a good thing to bring up. If you have like a chronic, um, nagging injury or something chronic going on, chronic being more than three months or around that, um, think, outside the box think what am i eating what am i putting in my, my body that's making my immune system a little bit more what we call upregulated um when we think about our immune system i'd like to explain it as a bucket i don't know if i went over this last time but we're all given a bucket could be a different size bucket when we're born it could be half full it could be empty but every single day we live we're filling the bucket up and we're take, emptying the bucket it's when we fill up the bucket to the brim and it starts overflowing that's when we have symptoms so you could be filling it up faster than you can empty it and that's when you start to have um any symptom that you're talking about. So it's something to keep in mind when you've got something chronic and you can't really pinpoint what the cause is. So it could be something you're eating. So with that stool test that we initially do, um, that can really uh, give us a, a basic understanding of do you have the proper gut bacteria? Do you have a good amount? Do you not have any infection? Do you not have what we call dysbiosis, which is a, a bad balance of bacteria? Mm-hmm. Some not great bacteria might be growing more than the beneficial 
natural bacteria. So that needs to be corrected. That's kind of the first thing we go about. Um, with the food, sensitive, food sensitivity testing, it's kind of like um, if someone is dealing with um, a nagging injury and they it's kind of a way to drive an elimination diet, like a, a personalized elimination diet. Right. So we're taking out um, inflammatory foods as, per se, and that um, can allow some healing in the intestinal tract. Um, so it's not necessarily the first thing we do or first thing I do in a functional medicine consult, but if people want to kind of just maybe, for lack of better way to describe it, dip their toe in functional medicine, that would be maybe a way to, to, yeah. to start. I think there are some people that would, there's like the self-starters and the people that are into this kind of thing where that style of a la carte doing it a little bit more on your own, I think could be okay. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. when we just do it because it's the latest thing we've seen on Instagram and we think that all of our problems are going to be solved through without a full understanding of what exactly yeah. exactly okay. and then I just I really love the accountability piece yep. you know there are a lot of people that I work with personally that do a really good job when they're asked you know on a semi you know consistent basis you know how are you doing are you doing well with this you're doing well with this they're the ones going out and doing all of the work but that accountability piece holds them in something where they don't get too distracted so um okay so what i wanted to explain with the food sensitivity testing so we don't a lot of people are like i i, I want to do that food allergy test um there's a little bit of a nomenclature issue because it's not a food allergy per se um there are food allergy tests and that we consider an ige food allergy it's a type one's hypersensitivity to food or some environmental and you'd probably substance. find that out the hard way. Immediately, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> a it's a reaction very shortly I've been after. There. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. Um so the t the IgG is a food sensitivity or food um, food sensitivity test. I don't want to say intolerance because that's actually something different. Um an IG IgG sensitivity is an antibody that your body produces to a food if it's unable if it's seeing it as like a foreign invader. Um, so with the with the food sensitivity testing that um, a lot of people have recently been doing, um, that's the what we're testing for IgG antibody. Um, you can have a very strong reaction to a food, so there it it kind of categorizes your reaction um, from one to three. Um, if you're having a lot of ones, and I did um, with our, our gym group, I put out a little uh, PDF on kind of what both all of that means. But um, you're depending on your uh, the state of your GI tract or the health of your GI tract, you're going to have a a lot of foods we call in red or react to a lot of foods or you're not if you're in a good state or your GI tract is healthy you're not going to have a lot of food reactions so we think that when we see a lot of reactions to foods that there's probably what we call intestinal perme permeability or um, leaky gut is like mm -hmm. the, the, the um, term that's been coined recently um, so, uh, just to to clarify that the the IgG is what people are testing for, and it's not a food allergy; it's a food sensitivity. Uh, food intolerance is non-immune uh, related, so that can be influenced by um, ability to digest medications. Um, it could be a non-immune uh, food reaction; could be like eating old fish, like 
um, like a toxic food reaction, okay. that kind yeah. of thing. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Mm, old fish. Uh, <laughs> Yum. Ted um, would eat, you would eat old fish. So I'm pretty for, sure I have eaten old fish. <laughs> so celiac disease is actually an, a non-IgE food allergy. Um, I, I don't have a huge understanding. You probably know a lot more about that. Um, and then uh, eosinophilic. On a very personal level, yes. <laughs> And then eosinophilic. <laughs> eosinophilic esophagitis is another one that's a mixed IgE and non-IgE so I think probably a good segue for you to tell your story about yeah so um man I don't know how long it's been now it's been like four or five years but it's also been so my the first time that it happened I was a senior in high school and it was the last day of school and I ate a bunch of steak and was like sort of puking like tiny little piles up everywhere and it got to the point where i couldn't ingest anything no water no food no nothing it would fall out of my face it never it didn't make it anywhere it was a very confusing situation um i was misdiagnosed with an msg reaction and given a shot which did absolutely nothing to me other than piss me off and i did not eat or drink anything for pushing like 36 hours something like that i just laid on the couch and i do like the ice chips thing or like the popsicle thing but it would still just drool back out of my mouth so i had no idea what it was fast forward to four or five years ago steak again um i now have a wife who's not going to let me go 36 hours without eating or drinking anything (laughs) she brought me to the emergency room um i told them that the last time that it happened that it was an allergic reaction which I confused them before they got to like actually diagnose me. And then, you know, we had been there for hours and the nurse came over and she goes, you're choking. And I was like, no. (laughs) And she goes, yeah, yeah, you are. You're, you're choking. And I was like, I'm talking, breathing, whatever. And she's like different pathway, different, whatever. So there was a piece of steak lodged in my esophagus and it was kind of funny because the the surgeon was like called out of bed like and comes in and he just looks at me with this dirty look because it's the middle of the night and he goes what was it and i was like steak and he goes always steak he like kind of like stormed nice. off. yeah very nice of him so he essentially tells me that they have to go in and either pull the piece of steak out or if it's low enough and stuck enough that they'll push it all the way through and then i asked him if i could keep the steak you know put it in like a little jar he said no um I also found out that day that I am a very slow responder to anesthesia and I came to with them not holding me down very well and pushing a tube down my throat. So I apparently fought like the whole room. I actually still have (laughs) memories of just that weird, like no peripheral vision. Like I can see the light up above. Like, yeah, you you get the, like the, like what it looks like at the dentist. Like I can kind (laughs) of see what's going on right now. And they had to stick me again with the, with the anesthesia until I, that's terrifying. What if you found that out during like the middle of like stomach surgery or something where you woke up and when I had had a hole in your body, when I had wrist surgery, when I was younger, I was awake the entire time and they, were like you talked to us the whole time you were see i was singing the music and i kept asking them to show me the surgery and they obviously had it like covered up so i couldn't see it and they were like you you don't no you don't want to do that but what happens is i get too much of it and then like four hours later it kicks in more and i'm messed up for like a really long period of time so um once that all they pushed it down it was you know whatever um I found out that I had a esophagitis. I think 
think I'm saying that right. I'm not really yep. sure. And it's it's a, a concentration of white blood cells in my esophagus. Now, I go to see a specialist knowing, you know, having personally researched the stuff that I have, and I did not, I was not interested in her. <laughs> she wanted me to take this steroid inhaler that had a list of side effects, you know, like, I think it's the Bible. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, no, I'll definitely get this. I'll definitely be back. And I didn't go back. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, was that before or after you learned about celiac? First time before, second time after? It, yes. Because you were I, definitely celiac when it happened like five years ago. Like you knew that you had that intolerance. Yes. I'm trying to remember though my, it's easy for me to remember when I stopped because it was right, stopped eating gluten because it was right around my wedding. Okay. Like right during that summer. And I do not remember if that party was pre-2012 or post 2012. It was no, definitely you, post because Maya was definitely your wife at the time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That is true. Definitely. So for me, though, there were different levels of me knowing what was going on okay. with me. There was the like, okay, don't eat bread. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and then equals it, poop. It, yeah. It just <laughs> like slowly turned itself into, I have to take this like really seriously or I'm just going to keep getting sick. Yeah. Like over and over and over. Did so. you actually have a blood test for celiac or? Not at that point. Not at that point. Not okay. at that but point. But eventually you did. Yes. I've got like... The 23 and me, the blood test, the food sensitivity test, the whole, okay. I, I went into a bunch of different places. Um, but then I did the 23 and me because I wasn't sure whether it was a gluten intolerance or celiac. So you are H, uh, HLA DQ2, DQ8. Does that sound familiar? Um, <laughs> the DNA marker, the yeah. gene snap for celiac. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I, that's what, part of what I wanted to bring up today was the fact that there. Um, we are predisposed to some of these things and um, that's kind of what you found out with right. celiac was yeah. that we call them genetic uh, polymorphisms or SNPs is a short um, single nucleotide polymorphism to be correct. So we'll say SNP instead because it's a mouthful. Um, so people can go to um, third party testers like 23andMe. Mm-hmm. There was a recent article or something in the news about concern for some inaccuracy in the third party testing mm-hmm. but um as far as i'm concerned 23 and me i feel like they just were approved for some breast cancer gene markers so i feel like if you're looking not i'm not paid by 23 and me by any means i've done it myself and then there's also that concern about the government having your dna so right take all that in consideration uh-huh. but it is something you can do you can receive raw data from that um genetic test and you can put it into another uh, um website or another party and they actually will give you what we call the SNPs. So one way to test for some um, issues with detoxification and food issues is doing that 23andMe and that's one of the the SNPs that you can look for is the HLA, DQ2, DQ8. They have been approved recently for more. They're allowed to give you more information. They originally gave you all that information. Then Mm -hmm. they were shut down. Then now, like when you go through the, the APOE4, you have to click I'm okay with this information like right. 42 times yeah. before it allows you to see. Sure, it's all about informed consent. Exactly. Um, but there, what's re- really cool about it is there's so many websites now. Like yeah. Rhonda Patrick's site does it for free. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, the, oh, Prometheus. the Yeah, the Prometheus okay. site um, does a really good one, and it was only $5. And oh, for okay. me, that was like... That's like geek porn. Like it was like <laughs> like 50 pages about myself. It was really weird too because it was like... Um, 
like you have only fast twitch fibers you have no endurance uh, you have I... low back pain and i'm like okay <laughs> no, tell I me don't. something i don't yeah, know tell me something i don't know thanks a lot but it was kind of cool that <laughs> yeah. they knew that it's like yeah. you listening is this like a psychic like scam so, so i just want to point out that that stuff that you get doesn't mean that's the way you are right. some people it does match up like when i was looking at some of the description from my um dna i was like that's not me because it it's it it's like 10 percent your genetics but then your environment and everything right. else is influencing so it's not going to necessarily influence it in the way that the genes say it's going to. Um, but it can be helpful in learning more about you uniquely as an individual. And that's kind of the mainstay of functional medicine is that personalized, like just you. No one else is going to be treated the same way as you are. Um, so let's see, going back to the food sensitivity, because we were talking about celiac um, or just food allergy, um, talking about celiac disease. Um, there are actually... I think it was a statistic of like 30% of the U.S. population thinks they have a reaction to food. So it's not, it's a large portion of people. Right. And then the um, National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease actually doesn't recognize the food sensitivities as a diagnosis right now. They're just focusing on food allergy. So that's why these food sensitivity testings, you won't get that in a allergen or like a and of course it's, it's been something that they've used in europe for like 60 years yep in like traditional practices yeah but, so, but in the united states it doesn't work it's not real it's i fake. think the, the research is growing i think that's the direction things are moving there's some utility there's some problems with the test but the I think it's a great way to steer a elimination diet a personalized elimination diet Absolutely. instead of saying just cut out dairy gluten eggs see in three months good luck um it kind of gives people like you said more accountability this is my plan my specific plan i know i'm going to react to these foods so well and there's you know the fact that you know some of the most uh common foods that get brought up in this are vegetables are spices chicken salmon there's a bunch of a bunch of things that can cause these autoimmune responses right. that are part of you know a you know traditional paleo like reset type of sure thing, so. so stuff that you wouldn't normally eliminate exactly. yeah so the cheap way to go about it is to eliminate those simple things if you want to try to do something at home but there might be more to it um that's where this uh food sensitivity test might come in and then obviously there could be even more if you're not feeling better after doing this so um i guess the Next thing to talk about is when you do do the test, if you do find someone or if you, Ted, you did it on a third uh, third party testing, yeah, I right? Went, I went through Everlywell. They've okay. got a bunch of different test kits, but I, okay. I did the food sensitivity testing with them. Okay. Um, but the the lab that they use is actually the same Alitas. one that, that right, your I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. went through as okay. well. So, All right, so the lab seems reputable. Yeah. So there are some people who might be accessing this information. And there's also something called ALCAT testing, which is a different form. It doesn't test IG. G. Um, I was looking, I don't know if any listeners have heard of that one before, but I was looking this one up. Um, not literature is not great on that. Um, and it's so expensive. I was going through, you can actually click add more food, add more food, add more food. And once I got to everything they could test, I was at like $1,200. So, so it depends on how much money you want to put in. And if there's not good literature support, uh, supporting um, the all-cat testing, then uh, just be wary. Yeah, I think the Everly Consumer well was beware. like 200 bucks for the test kit. And there's a bunch of like 10% off discount codes out there that are floating yep. around. Okay, so um, th so just um, I said consumer beware. Um, so you so you have your t 
food sensitivity testing done and we see the foods that pop up, we look at the um, reaction, is it one through three? Three is considered a pretty strong reaction. You're probably not going to want to eat that food for the rest of your life. Probably want to eliminate it. Um, Two, you want to eliminate it that eliminate that food for three months um, and then you can add it back in like cyclically so we say every like three days you can have it and then if you have a type uh, or sorry a stage one reaction then you eliminate that for three months and then you can probably add that back in um, after the three months and have it daily so when you have somebody that you refer this test to and they they take it and they're like me and they have like a million ones and like three twos do you recommend that they eliminate all of that because mm-hmm. if i were to try to do that i'd be eliminating coffee chicken beef turkey fish vegetables i guess i didn't look at your spices <laughs> there's literally like everything on that list leaky gut yeah so that goes back to what i was saying before there's probably what we call leaky gut intestinal permeability so in so the idea is to remove the offenders so those foods are offensive to you in some way <laughs> even though you may not feel Only that on way that paper. <laughs> <laughs> um so the, removing those foods that allows your intestinal tract to heal not upregulate your immune system there's other things you can do to support that healing um and that is a little bit more involved um I t- we talked a little bit about digestive enzymes helping that food break down so it's not entering your GI tract in a larger particle than it can accommodate. Um, some people, specifically if you've had a gallbladder out, my population's a little bit different than maybe the listeners. I don't know um, if anyone's had a uh, cholecystectomy. That means that you probably have some issue with um, bile acid secretion, so that can contribute to digestion. Um, so there's more to the healing of the gut and that's probably where you want someone to give you some direction um eliminating the foods can be enough for some people but sometimes it takes a little bit more especially if you're one of those people who reacted to a A crap ton of food (laughs) um it is nice though like long term that there weren't a bunch of threes on there there were zero threes in fact that's 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 important yep no that's good you're lucky (laughs) does that mean that i should look at for somebody like me with all of that reaction with signs of leaky gut does that mean that poop test that you were talking about yeah that could be beneficial there could be more going on it's basically what i tell people to do Uh, just just consider if if that and if the elimination if you don't want to go through that whole elimination that that could be another thing to learn a little bit more information i don't know what i'd be able to eat if i eliminated (laughs) all those things honestly so there is a diet for those people it's called the elemental diet it's you literally just drink amino acids and and that's for (laughs) Like, <laughs> I'd rather have a leaky it's gut. Pretty, it's pretty terrible. But for some people who can't, who have, um, we, there's so many intolerances like lectin. We were just talking about that histamine intolerance, tyramine. There's so many things that people can have reactions to that they have to eliminate so many things. Maybe it's a, a much sicker person with overt autoimmune, rheumatoid arthritis, etc. Um, that would be where we would go with, with an elemental diet. But I've not I've yet to put anyone on that. Um, I'm scared too. I feel really bad. It seems rather extreme. <laughs> it is extreme, yeah. but um, if you can't get, um, if you try other things and you can't get the inflammation and the digestion to. And to, these are like a lot of times those patients where conventional medicine would be like, oh no, what is wrong? I mm. don't like understand what's going sure. on. Sure. Yeah. Take these pills. Yeah. Um, 
I did want to bring up that I was I was reading about ketosis in help helping with uh, gut repair and inflammation. Now we know that intermittent intermittent fasting um, in itself can be reparative yeah. for the gut, um, and I know that you've touched on that. But um, ketosis can also help modulate some inflammatory reactions and responses, so that can help heal the gut. Um, ketosis is a tricky thing. You know way more about it than I do. Well, it's it's I think one of the most important parts of it is is it has a lot of the same benefits with actually being able to eat as intermittent fasting. Yeah. And so many of our problems, especially associated with the United States in general, is carbohydrate based. Mm, yep. um, and we get to the point where we have those gut bugs that are just begging for sugar all day long. Right. And, you know, Gatorade. Exactly. We don't completely, you know, as a society understand it. So it's hard to it's hard to kind of go there. But um, you know, one of the things with the with the stool test that's really important is there are is, is a ADD ADHD epidemic, and one of the number one markers for that is um, you know decreased gut diversity. Sure. Yeah. So if someone takes that test um, again, if if you wanted to do it. Ubiome is sort of like the uh, 23andMe of poop. Yeah. So there. <laughs> I bet they would like is that. that. I, is that. <laughs> the, that did them. you do that yourself? Is that third yeah. party? Yeah. I think you okay. have to go through it's a doctor, though. No. Oh, really? So it's third party, but what you really need to understand is that they're doing this for cheaper because they want your information. They're trying right. to map our you know, DNA, they're trying to map the gut biome. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether who knows how awesome or terrible their intentions are with, with any of it. Um, so that's one thing to understand is they're not like when you get your report back, you're like, I paid this much for this. Like you're not getting that explanation. You're not getting that understanding. It's okay. almost like, Oh, I just paid a hundred dollars to <laughs> donate my poop to these guys. All right. So but creepy but weirdo in a basement. Stop piling my poop. <laughs> But but if you get it back and you do understand these things and you are having issues with mental clarity with a low number on that diversity scale can be one of those things where you could go see a functional medicine practitioner mm -hmm. or do some research yourself and be like, how can I improve this scenario so that when I retest, there's actually something changed there. Right. What when someone asks a question like that, what are like the biggest things you give them in terms of trying to improve the gut biome? So, um, like I said initially, so we remove the offender. Yeah. Um, we want to replace, so that would be digestive enzymes. We say re-inoculate, but we're not really re-inoculating with probiotics. That's something you can take. You really want to focus on diet and prebiotics. If you Google prebiotic food, you get a huge list, but the mainstay is um, high fiber vegetables, right. garlic, um, I'm trying to think of fermented foods. Kimchi. Kimchi, yes. Kimchi. Don't leave kimchi in your car. I've done that. It's terrible. Whoa. Um, it it's smells... just make, making it better, right? <laughs> oh, God. It smells really bad. Um, yeah, so all of that. So th the idea is when you eat prebiotic food, you're feeding the good bacteria. If you are eating a bunch of like donuts, you're probably feeding the bad bacteria. <laughs> so um, I don't know if there's a word for that, but um, the prebiotic is really um, improving the healthy balance. And that's where you go with the re-inoculation. When you take a probiotic, it doesn't have lasting effect. I think they found one uh, probiotic strain that um, is beneficial. I wish I could re. I wish I could list off all the strains because they're learning so much about individual strains. You'll see a probiotic and it'll say like Lactobacillus um, or um, Bifidobacterium. Like you'll see a bunch of different ones, and they've got um, 
new um, research coming out, which strains are going to benefit which person for which condition. There is good evidence behind a probiotic called Saccharomyces boulardii. So if you are taking any kind of antibiotics that is preventative, you can take it with the antibiotic because it um, will not, it's a yeast base, so it will not affect the antibiotic. They won't kind of counteract each other. So that's the, that's a good recommendation I think people can take home is Saccharomyces boulardii. Is there, is there like a rule of thumb when it comes to approaching prebiotic foods? Because I hear about it a lot. I hear about eating kimchi, eating Mm -hmm. these high fiber vegetables. How much, like how much kimchi do I need to eat in a day each day to have the prebiotic effect? Like, do I need to have kimchi for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in order to like have an effect? You could tolerate it. Sometimes it's a tolerance issue. Um, Another pervasive issue that people are running into, and it goes along with the digestion absorption, um, moving through is through is like a a bacterial overgrowth. So there's, um, and we could get into a huge discussion on that. But there's something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It's when the bacteria in the um, large intestine kind of creep up into the small intestine. That can wreak havoc on your digestion. You get bloating, constipation, diarrhea could be any, um, poor nutrient absorption, weight loss, weight gain. It can lead to millions of different things. But so my point with that was um, if you are eating a lot of um, prebiotic foods, sometimes you can react to that. So if you are increasing your prebiotic intake and you're having those reactions, you got to think about something else going on. So it's not necessarily like a more is better type situation. Of course. Yes. It's it's about so much of it's about like, is it a part of your diet? Because there's like people who will do the like, I'm going to eat like 12 jars of it and then they don't eat it ever again. (laughs) So if it's like if a little bit of kimchi is part of your breakfast and you Mm -hmm. actually eat like some greens yeah. and some onions and garlic and stuff like that plate. in your diet if it's just part of it if someone's like have you had this in the last week and you say yes you're probably in a pretty good spot yeah. and that's I'll, I'll keep saying it if uh, so many people want to try the ketogenic diet these days that has to be a part of it mm-hmm. because yes there's the absence of those gut bugs and they start to starve themselves out a little bit with the carbohydrates we're not necessarily adding the best stuff in to create growth right. and that's what's missing from almost every ketogenic diet like the what mark sisson calls the cream cheese and sausage diet oh, like you just <laughs> still eat real food and mix it up and and all that so and you you have harped on the ketogenic diet and making sure the food's coming from a like a, a grass-fed yes. yeah okay good absolutely that, the people in the, the <laughs> nutrient the, density is our like we go quality quantity timing is like kind of our list yeah and quality's first good good yes, okay yeah absolutely. the ketogenic diet from like uh what's um bob's discount <laughs> you don't want to buy meat there not a good idea very true um i wouldn't buy meat from a furniture store that's for sure <laughs> no he's got regular stores too what you don't remember that bob it was across from sam's no yeah what bob's stores was like his first wow yeah and you could buy twizzlers from like 1992 (laughs) i tried to and my parents were like put those back man what's wrong with you all right so we're trying to get back to what i was talking about with the the um re-inoculating and then we um we consider repairing so when we repair the the um gi track uh we want to add reparative things there's some evidence with l-glutamine um omega-3 fish oil um trying to think of other off the top of my head things that can be helpful turmeric all of these things but this is more of like a personalized um supplementation that you'd probably want to consult with a 
and you can get a lot of that stuff from food Mm-hmm. So you get, yep. you know, a really solid amino acid profile, obviously from meat or bone broth or any of those things, fish oil from, I think it's like salmon, sardines. I think it's like eight to one, the absorption from a fish oh, to I'm the not capsules, sure on that one. something, something oh, okay. like that, because they said it has something to do with the actual fats and the selenium and the vitamin D Our bodies see it, absorb it better like, with yeah, the food, we've seen which this makes before. sense. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that would be the repair and then the rebalance. So rebalance is kind of like the the more... Um, this is America. We do the elimination diet, Manea, and then we're done. Okay? <laughs> Time for donuts. Yes, yeah. I eliminated for enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> rebalance goes back to the chewing and the are we eating, eating at the dinner table? Are we not eating in front of our computers, the TV? Are we really thinking about what's going in our mouth? Are we actually tasting it? Are we chewing it? Do we know what it what the consistency, like the texture, et cetera, are we paying attention to that? What are we doing when we're eating? Um, so you talk a lot about um, the rest and digest, parasympathetic, sympathetic. We have to be in a parasympathetic state when we're eating or we're just not Not gonna... standing up at the counter yelling at someone <laughs> and also... <laughs> I mean, I'm an offender. I, like, I eat in front of my computer at lunchtime because that's, I gotta, it's a grind. You gotta get things done. <laughs> so um, I'm an offender and I, I think about it from time to time, like maybe... Maybe I'm not feeling so well because I didn't chew my food enough today. Um, so that's the rebalance portion. And then um, once, y- I mean, you have to work on all of these. It's not just the elimination and then you go back to your life. It's really, it's a lifestyle change. Um, it's not just the, the the food elimination diet and then you're back to your your uh, shenanigans. <laughs> Is there a digestive enzyme or a brand or a an actual enzyme that you think people should be looking for? It's actually kind of specific to people. So yeah. I mentioned um, people who've had their gallbladder out. You want to focus more on um, uh, the 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 fatty. I'm blanking on what. We and call a lot it, of the these, a lot of the, the a lot of these, the bottle right on the back. Yeah, it'll yeah. say like amylase carbohydrates, Proteas, and then it'll go yeah. Down, yeah, it'll go down the list people, and help you out a little bit. So people who are having trouble with, I do remember this one with um, gluten. It's called the DPP4. You can actually see that on the bottle. I have been recommending Claire Labs, and I'm not paid by them. Um, uh, what uh, I'm blanking on the name of it. It's like complete. Zyme or something Zyme. I have I have uh, those I enzymes in my pill pocket in okay. my in my pocket. Do you do the Clear Every, Labs one? I don't. I do. It's called Gluten Ease. Okay. Um, oh, the DPP four one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, only because that's the only one that I've that I've found. Uh-huh. Um, it does help a little bit, but at the same time, it's really the you only time currently. You take that just in case. I take that just in case. Yeah. yeah that's one of those things where if i'm traveling and the person's like oh yeah definitely gluten free you, know, like, <laughs> you, see you can hear him say to someone oh man dude's gonna be fucked up <laughs> yeah. he goes back in the I'm kitchen like, and spits take, in your food take the whole bottle <laughs> um they do i mean they make gluten dairy digest so if you're a person who you you think you react i mean it's not an excuse to go out and pound those foods but if you're in a setting where you're like oh i'm going to a party and i i might have some of that and you could take something before yeah. you um so that's kind of it, it, it as a personalized approach so it depends on and it will say um carbs protein and fats like what it will specifically address mm-hmm. but it's it can be a little bit more personalized depending on the person so is there like is there like a, a pitch 
for you know if someone was on the fence about like can i take care of this myself versus should i you know go see somebody and have this like all figured out like i just i feel like we're i feel like we're making sure that people understand what's going on but still not maybe nudging them towards getting help like professional help with okay it. so i mean what ted did like he went out and he did his own blood work i mean if you feel like you can interpret that and do your own specific elimination diet you want to keep in mind the the if you're doing the igg food antibody sensitivity testing the half-life of that antibody is about 21 to 23 days so the minimum time you need to do that food elimination is three weeks um we do the three months to just really push it through um allow healing um if at the if you go out and do that test on your own and you do the elimination um maybe you add in a digestive enzyme you really think about better eating habits not sitting in front of the TV, et cetera, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I guess I really, this is one of my my downfalls when I explain this. Uh, the elimination diet isn't necessarily just what you're eliminating. It's also considering eliminating alcohol and caffeine for some people, even if you didn't test positive. Um, alcohol can cause some intestinal permeability. Alcohol, uh, sorry, caffeine can cause intestinal permeability and so can alcohol. So, And they um, really can exacerbate those issues. Right, and they can cause more inflammation. Right. The um, and then obviously processed foods. I, I think it's obvious, but it's not so obvious to some people. So thing, multiple ingredient foods, it's not, um, McDonald's, uh, package, package foods. You just really want to make sure you're getting some whole clean foods, um, while you're doing the elimination at the end of that three weeks or three, sorry, three months. Um, when you start adding in food per the schedule, like, um, you want to do one food at a time if possible, especially with the, the foods that you are in like stage two reaction to, you want to wait for 72 hours. Cause that's the kind of time frame you may have a reaction to the food. Um, if you don't have any reaction and you, um, are feeling great and then you probably have just cut out some inflammation and then you're, you're doing better than that, that you've solved your problem for the time being, unless you go back to some unhealthy ways or you have another trigger in your life where something stressful happens or injury. Um, and then you get sick again that you might want to start the process over again. But after you've done the food elimination diet, if you're still having some issues, joint pain, headaches, all of the stuff we were talking about before, that would be when you would probably want to try to investigate a little bit further with someone who can dig deeper with you. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. One question we get a lot is, um, do you have to eat the food prior to the test to present the antibody? Yes. Okay. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So there are, because a lot of people will get false positives right. and be like, because like we, we joke a lot with Sherb, his flounder was on his, and he's like, I don't even know if I've ever seen flounder. Like, so I don't. This is, yeah, this was an amazing thing. And I actually pulled up um, a PDF and I'm sure we could post it if you wanted to. Yeah. But like people who have environmental allergies like tree pollen, so birch, a birch allergy, have a cross reactivity so he probably has some sort of cross reactivity with another food and that's why well or similar protein structure so that's why right. flounder flounder popped up but i found this was like latex people who have a latex allergy um will cross react with bananas avocados kiwi apricot celery potato tomato 
chestnuts like it's, now that cross reaction would that mean that they would actually react to those things or that it would show up that they're reacting to those things or both both it yeah. could be either yeah. yeah and it's 90 percent of people who have a melon allergy have another fruit allergy so these are allergies not sensitivities but i think it 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 runs similarly you can have a similar sensitivity or cross sensitivity per se but it's just amazing to think it, that would be like further along further down the, the road if you do eliminate some of these foods and you're still having reactions you got to look at the secondary cross reactivities and eliminate those much more in depth <laughs> it's also complex very yeah. yeah so how do you this could be in a different episode but how <laughs> do you test for environmental um reactivities i know um, that there's like the heavy metals test but is there you know stuff i know there's you know mold but like is yeah, there like a so, broad spectrum so like you can do environmental inhalants so you can do environmental allergies so they believe it's ige for environmental inhalants so um it would be for um mold um a bunch of different molds they can test for um I'm trying to think i didn't write these all down um but the answer is yes 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 yes. sorry yeah yeah you can definitely test a blood test or um, i don't know with the heavy metal oftentimes it's um blood or urine heavy metal testing gets a little bit more involved because if you are an obese person um you kind of hang on to the those heavy metals in your fat cells so Mm. it's like a storage um if you do carry a lot of heavy metal we're not going to get it excreted in the urine or it's not going to be in the bloodstream so it's hard to detect um oftentimes we use something called a a provocation so you actually take a a chelating agent and then um which pulls the metals out break them down a little bit pulls it out of the fat pulls it and gets your body to excrete it um that you don't do on your own you need someone guiding you you need to make sure your liver your kidneys and everything can handle that test and there's some controversy about it um it's a more very more much more involved test but if you do have uh, heavy metal toxicity which can contribute to chronic conditions and kind of exacerbate it kind of drive the bus along um that is one thing to consider for sure yeah but that's a and that's a that's another one that i've i've read a bunch about recently is the the mold testing and people that have chronic fatigue syndrome where it's like they go Maybe they even go through th- this part of it. They yeah. go through the food stuff and they're still not figuring out what's going on. And it's, you know, um, we live we live in a place where mold is essentially here year round because typically in cold weather it would go away, but it gets trapped under like leaves and the snow and all that. Mm. And it stays wet under there. And I actually know this because of pet allergies. Yeah. Um, dogs have no way to stay away in Maine to stay away from like mold. It's yeah. just not possible because they're burying their face yeah. in the snow and digging, digging around in the leaves and all that stuff. So if you're, that's just one more, you know, way to investigate. And that's one more, uh, push and plug for the functional medicine route of yep. trying to be like this is about you mm-hmm. specifically it's yep. about you and what's going on with you and we're going to do all of this test and check and guess and try to find where these things are yep um along with the the um exposure to mold and like allergies i was going to bring up how that so People who have, and um, that's another chronic condition, people who have like seasonal allergies, yeah. that is something to think about as something, a chronic condition. It's not just something you have, like there's something else, there's an inflammatory response underlying that. So um, if seasonal allerg- allergies seem to be getting worse for you, that you got to kind of look at diet and and um, maybe something that you're eating is making those allergies worse. Yeah. That's just the mindset shift for a lot of people that like, 
you're you're told throughout your life like this is something that's wrong with you mm-hmm. like you're just gonna have to deal with it yeah whether it's asthma or allergies you could go as far as depression um i'll be controversial and go as far as autism um oh, there's that's, no that's that's that there's research behind there that. is yeah. um so it's it's one of those things where it's puts a level of responsibility on on you personally that if you're going to you know, I don't want to say complain about these issues, but be like, well, why am I this way? Mm-hmm. That there's actually potentially something that you can do about it. There's there's, there's probably something to explain some of your symptoms. I'm not saying that functional medicine can answer everything, but there's certainly more of, it certainly gets to the bottom of more things that you would, than you would expect. So you don't just have high blood pressure. You don't just have diarrhea you don't just have all this stuff it's not a diagnosis there's a reason it's all happening yeah and that's i mean this is exactly that's like my origin story is exactly how i got into all this stuff because i had so many of these problems and then you slowly start to hear this stuff and it starts to creep into the stuff you read and listen to and watch and it's like oh it can make a difference like in myself and quality get, of life yeah and then yep. you just get so kind of pulled into it that you feel selfish not like sharing it with other people like you can make like very distinct changes in your mind and your body and all these different places if you're willing to you know put yourself out there and and try to get it all figured out it's almost good to do and it you're doing yourself a favor if you're catching some of these things that just don't seem quite right early you can often um i mean i there's there yet to be longitudinal studies, obviously, because this is very new, but you can catch things before they become a lot worse. It's, I mean, there are studies saying that there's prevention in heart disease and um, can prevent depression, et cetera. So the, the mainstay is don't ignore these symptoms. There's more to it. And, yeah. um, and we all, what do they call it? Um, not biohacking hacking yourself what does dave asprey say he does say biohacking biohacking yeah, he calls yeah. It biohacking. buzzwords yes Buzzword. biohacking <laughs> <laughs> if you say it a few more times we can put it in the title biohacking <laughs> get some clickbait going hack your biology <laughs> perfect we get some like laser sounds <laughs> in there <laughs> biohacking it's essentially learning about yourself individually and yeah and you can make it better yeah so you've got listeners now that we've convinced they need to go to a functional medicine doctor tell them how to find a functional medicine doctor okay well i i refer to the institute for functional medicine because that's who i study under there's a website i think the last time we posted the link to the website um there's a specific link within their website that says find a practitioner um there are people there are practitioners in Maine. There's actually, I just looked recently. There's um, a handful of certified practitioners and um, some who have just taken a few courses and they're all listed. I'm there. What's the web address? Um, it's ifm.org, I think. Uh, I think it's ifm.org. The and then there's just, we'll put it in the, yeah. we'll put it in the, um, in the blog post for you guys. But there's just that find a practitioner Let's link see. and you put your zip code Yeah, it's ifm.org. I think you're right. Just org? Yep, I think so. Um, and then the find a practitioner is at the bottom link and you can learn more about, um, functional medicine by going to their website. They have a, about us and what is functional medicine and all that good stuff. I feel better about putting this information out there now. I just, if it's, it's important to me that it's not like we're trying to put some like gimmick or fad out there that, you know, you take this test and then all of a sudden it's fixed. Yeah. Like I just wanted to make sure that people, you know, understood, you know, what was going on there. And then selfishly, 
we get to, you know, we get to sit here and learn about it ourselves yeah. and I get to educate myself a little bit more. So I have to schedule my poop test. <laughs> I can, I You're going to poop on a tray or hook you up, Ted. <laughs> a shoe. I'm pooping <laughs> a shoe. Might contaminate this. The shoe <laughs> test. <laughs> Misfitshoetest.com. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> we could do a stool test on air. Whoa. <laughs> like on video? Just kidding. That'd be gross. <laughs> I'd do it. <laughs> Ted would do it. You think you found your participant <laughs> right here. All right. Any right. more questions? No. We're feeling good? Feeling good. Well, thanks, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. I'll help some people out. Definitely. Cool. Until next time. See ya. All right, guys. That was episode 20, uh, food sensitivity testing and beyond with functional medicine practitioner Amanea Haworth. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed. As always, uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, check us out on Instagram at the misfit.project, uh, misfitproject.com. All that good stuff. If you are enjoying the podcast and want us to make more of them, we would love a five-star review on iTunes. That helps us get seated a little bit higher. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Until next episode. Yes.